They're going to hand over. Oh, where's Samuel Lee them gone? We're going to hand over. There he is. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. He's in the building. We're going <laughs> to let me just make you um, co host. Um, and what typically, um, Sam, what we do is um, we, uh, right, we mute everyone else. Yeah. And uh, so you're going to be speaking along with um, Keith. I know you've got a bit of a presentation, and Keith's going to talk along with you and draw out information from you about what you do. And you're going to be presenting your information, Keith, your co-host. So okay. without further ado, we're going to hand over to Keith to talk the things along with Samuel Lee on mental health. Wonderful. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Welcome, Samuel. Yeah, do you want? Do you want? Do you mind us calling you Sam or you, call me whatever you want, man? Yeah, it's all Sam, good. Sam, <laughs> Sam is good. So, welcome to Champs and Giggles. Um, it's a pleasure that you've taken the time out to join us. Um, we are passionate about speaking about Black education and awareness, well-being, and everything. So, thank you very much again for taking the time out for us. Okay. So, my first. Uh, hold a minute, it's not... Okay, yeah, all right. So normally what we would do, we would, um, as, as Joe said, everybody's on mute, and then um, later on there may be some questions in the chat. Okay. Um, at the conclusion, I will just read out, or maybe you can see the same chat, I'm not sure. Um, then we'll... Uh, okay, so we need to try and spotlight you as well. So let me see if I've worked out how to do that. <laughs> Hold on one minute. I need to spotlight you so you are there. And okay, let's let's click on your right. Hold on one minute, Samuel. Right, is he? Is, are we spotlighted now? Yeah, yeah. Just carry on. It, it, okay. Is everyone yes, well. talking, the camera yeah. on you? Oh, brilliant. Okay. So, um, Samuel, the first thing I'm going to ask you is tell us a bit about yourself. Okay, so uh, my name is Samuel Lee. I, mm -hmm. I live in Leeds and I do, I have, um, I've got three children. My daughter is 28. I've got two boys, they're 14 and 16. I'm, a, I'm also a grandfather, but I don't see, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I, I say I'm a glamper. My daughter, oh, yeah. um, I'm too glamorous to be a grandpa. So I've got a two and a half year old grandson. Congratulations. Um, yeah, this meeting is being recorded. Continue. Yeah. Um, that's me. I used to work with the civil service. I used to be a civil servant for 18 years with the Department of Health. Mm -hmm. I actually used to work at the House of Parliament. So I used to travel from Leeds to okay. London quite regularly. Yeah, yeah, I used to do um, parliamentary questions oh, um, right. around violence. So that was my area um, mm -hmm. for many years. But I left four years ago to start my own business. Okay. And so I've been self-employed now since 2016. Wow, wow, well, so, congratulations yeah, on yeah, that. It's a, thank God, man. Yeah, I turned 45 and I thought, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. Yeah. But I just handed in my notice and it's been great. Wow. So my, my next question leads on to this, actually, because I would like to know, how did you transition from committee meetings and, and talking in House of Commons and so on about violence into mental health how did how did that work well i worked at the department of health so i used to be a physical first aider 
but I also mm. wanted to be a mental health first aider, mainly because I was, well, two reasons. I'm an mm. African. I used to chair an African group, and there were lots of mental health issues in the community that people did not deal with. Because within our community, if you've got a mental health issue, two solutions, they pray the evil spirit out of you or they lock you up. Yeah. And I needed to understand the subject. So with my department hat on, I wrote a business case to become a mental health first aider and then eventually wrote another business case to become a trainer. Mm. So DH trained me to be a trainer as a mental health first aid trainer and I used to train within the department but I also trained outside of the department. So okay. I used to train a lot of charities and just getting the word out because um, mm. we need it within our community. Yeah, um, yeah. I used to be a scout leader as well in a very deprived area of needs, and I could see that it was something that was needed. So I just, yeah, I just did it. But I got, wow. them, to, I got them to pay for it. Mm, it, was about, yeah. it was about three grand. So we should. Uh, more, more of us need to do that to get to get this get them to pay for things because yeah, instead of us paying for it, you're absolutely right. So my question to you then is: as you went down this path to be um, mental health training and, and helping others, is there someone in your family that did it as well, and you got that um, information from them, and you thought I'll, I'll aspire aspire to them? Or no, did you just, just, no, I just. I, like I said to you, I, I do a lot of stuff in the community. Um, mm. Over the last, since 20, 2007, I organized an annual African football tournament. Wow. And I bring a thousand and a thousand people together every year. Um, so I've been in doing Leeds. it for in Leeds. Leeds. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing it for years. And for me, it's just seeing that a lot of us don't deal with mental health. Mm. And the opportunity came at work, and I thought, I'll do this at work and take it back out. Yeah. So it wasn't like I knew anybody else who'd done it before. I just wanted to help. That is brilliant. You know, that's empowering people. Yeah. And the way that I've seen in some of your biography that you've helped a number of companies hugely oh. spanned uh, across international companies, hmm. well-known companies in some of those lists. Yes, yes, I've, I've been all over the place. I've trained several thousand people um, when it comes to mental health first aid. So mm. um, I've got Lloyds Bank as some of my clients. I've got some big companies and I've also got little companies. Mm. I've got charities. Uh, my wife just got trained recently. Oh. So she's actually with me as well. Now she, she finished her training in January. So we're now running courses together because she was getting too busy for me. Right. So I sent her on the course, and she did the course seven days, and we're now doing it together. So we now it's now both our companies together. That is absolutely fantastic. So I'm not going to be ignorant, but I just want to know where it's called mental health first first aid. aid. Yes. What is why is it called first aid? Unless I'm being ignorant here. Well, no, you're not. I mean, I think if you think about if somebody says they've got, if somebody's got a physical, they break a leg, mm. you need somebody there as a first aider to look after them before the ambulance arrives. Sometimes people would have a mental health issue in the workplace. Like if somebody had a panic attack, mm. what would you do? If somebody had a psychotic episode, mm. what would you do? And so the role of the first aider really is to be the person there 
to be able to help that person before the professionals arrive. Okay. I mean, did you know that if you went to your GP and they recognized you had a mental health issue, it would take on average in the UK 18 months for you to get to see a professional. Wow. It would be too late by then. 18 months. Oh, my gosh. So for me, mental health first aiders play a massive role in doing that. Mm. Right. Okay. Okay. So that means that when you, um, if I got it right, when you go into these organisations, you have a, 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 a huge... Um, connection with maybe hr in the in the area so they can then is that yeah. how it works yes i mean you mentioned about transitioning from yeah. being a civil servant to being a business owner and i'm going to be honest here i think networking works mm. perfectly for me um i joined bni for those of you who might not know bni is a is a business networking group you pay about a thousand pounds for the year but I got more, I got three, four, five, six times more of that back in the year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you've got to spend money to make money. Um, and it's just amazing that you go to these meetings and I'm usually the only black person in the room full of 50 people. Mm. But what that meant was I could reach so many other people. Um, I could reach people who were not in my market. Um, mm. Because, you know, if you stick to your African market or your West Indian market, you're not going to go far. Yeah. Um, and all the money is the same color. Mm. So I joined BNI, I joined Foreign, I was doing networking almost every other day. And so that's really how the transition happened. I couldn't do it myself. Um, I had other people to yeah. help out. So do you find that um, the mental health has affected um, more? I know you're saying it's across the board, as in mm. racial, but have you found that you see a lot of black boys, men, or girls suffering with mental health or, the, or, or starting to, and you've been there to, to guide them or got somebody else to guide them? Yes. I mean, I get a lot of phone calls on a weekly basis from people within the community because they know it's my area or it's one of my areas. And the reason for that is a lot of our people do not go and seek mental health professionals because they're too quick to section our people. Yeah. They're yeah. too quick to chuck us behind the bar. And so a lot of people just do not go and get the help. Mm. And what generally happens is, you know, mental health issues shows up about 75% before the age of 18. Now, for okay. Caucasians, when they start seeing the signs, they go and get help. For yeah. us, we don't. And like anything else, as it gets more serious, mm -hmm. as you get older, it gets more serious. So when our children are 24, 25, by then, when they start having psychotic episodes, it's too late. Yeah, yeah. And they still do not want to go and see professionals because they will get sectioned. Yeah. So I would regularly get a phone call to say, Sam, what do we do? How do we do this? And mm -hmm. So yeah, being able to help a lot of people, train people within the community, but also just use my contacts and yeah, yeah. yeah to help just them. to help people. Yeah. So is this a good time, Sam, to introduce your presentation? I'm, I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a good time now to do that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 So, I can do that. Okay. So let's um, because there's people's got some comments in there, but I'll do that at the end.
So okay. we'll, we'll run with your presentation. So you go ahead. You've got the platform. All right. Brilliant. Thank you so much. I've Very already nice. introduced myself. Um, I'm going to expect some um, engagement in the chat box. So please feel free to type in there. I'm going to ask you different questions. And the first one really is just to test, just three questions to test your knowledge. And I think I gave this away already. <laughs> but the question there says 35% of mental illness starts before the age of 18. Is that true or false? In the chat box, just type T or F. What do you think? I think I gave this away already, but let's just see if people were listening. All right. Is it T or F for number one? Okay. T, T, more T is coming through. Anybody else? Okay. Let me review. The answer is, is actually false. Ooh. 75% starts wow. before the age of 18. So we talk a lot about early intervention, being able to spot the signs early before they get to that age or before it becomes more serious. Now, the second question, suicide is the most common cause of death for men aged 40 to 49. Mm. Is that true or false? Let me see some responses. T or F? Okay, true, 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 F. Okay, um, yeah, it's true. Yeah. And back in the day, a few years ago, it used to be 25 to 49. However, over the last four or five years, it's actually shrunk to 40 to 49. And there's various reasons for that. Um, the economy is one of the reasons for that. But those are the numbers right now. And then the final question, 40% of people with diagnosable mental illness receive no treatment at all. Is that true or false? Let me see some responses. Okay, TT. Okay, anybody else? Okay. Um, reveal, it's actually false. It's 75%. Wow. Why wow. is that? There's different reasons for that. Um, but 75% of people do not receive treatment. I mentioned earlier, it takes 18 months on average across the country to see a professional. Mm. But then there's other things. There's things like the perception. You know, a third of the public think, if you've got a mental health issue, you're likely to be violent. Where does that attitude come from? The media. There's movies like Psycho, One Flew yeah. Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And what generally happens is when people think about you having a mental health issue, they think you're going to be a violent person. So when they know that, people don't go and get help because they think if I say something, they're going to think I'm crazy. Mm. In my language, which is Yoruba in Nigeria, there is no word for mental health. The closest word you come to is mad. Mm. You get what I'm trying to say? So yeah. it's a big problem for people. And it's, it's just people are more, they're more of a danger to themselves than to others. So what I'm going to go through now really is mental health. What does the term mental health mean to you? Can I just see one or two people just write something in the chat box? What does the term mental health mean to you? Um, okay. All right. Any, okay, massive stigma. Okay, yeah. Um, okay. All right. Fantastic. Um, well, according to WHO, um, it's part of our overall health. 
And a good barometer for mental for our, for the quality of our mental health is shown by how we feel, think, and behave, how we cope with ups and downs of everyday life. We're all going to go through some up down days and down days. How do you cope? Why do we cope differently? How do you see your life, your future? Okay. How do you deal with negative things that happen? And what about stress? Why do we all react differently to stress? So it's really important to recognize that we all have mental health. Now, I've said this to some African groups in the past. <laughs> and, they go, and they go, no, I don't have mental health. <laughs> and because the perception is when they hear mental health, they hear crazy. Crazy, yeah. yeah. They hear mad. I'm mm. like, no, just like you've got physical health, mm. you've got mental health. And most of the time, if you've got a physical is issue, like a, um, a broken arm, you've got a cast on. But with a mental health issue, there's no cast. There's nothing you can see. So really, it's important to recognize that there is no health without mental health. Okay? Now, we spoke about stress earlier. We talk about something called the stress container. I don't know if anybody's heard of the stress container before, but can I just see you put some things in the chat box, the kind of things that stress people out. So let me just, what kind of things stress you out? Let me just see one or two comments in the chat box. Okay, bills, definitely massive. Money, family, yeah. <laughs> yes, money is a big one as well. Anybody else? Any other things that stress people out? Work. Fantastic relationships. <laughs> Joseph, apparently you, <laughs> Joseph, you're a source of stress. Um, so those are the kind of... Now, we talk about the stress container, and I'm going to use this prop here, okay? I've got a small cup, and I've got a big cup. We all have cups like this in our lives, each and every one of us. For some of us, it's small, and for some of us, it's big. What happens is stress flows into your container and as it goes into your container it could be work it could be family it could be whatever it may be as the stress goes into your container your container starts to fill up mm. and when it gets to the top what happens overflows overflows and when that overflows that's when somebody will have an emotional breakdown mm. that's when they will have an episode now the thing we suggest is for everybody to have a tap, a tap at the um, a tap at the bottom of your container, and mm. what you generally do, we call that tap helpful coping strategies. And what you do with that tap is you open that tap on a regular basis. Can anybody tell me some good coping strategies, some helpful coping strategies that you can think of? Let me just see some comments in there. Yeah, feel free to answer. Um. Anything? Exercise, fantastic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exercise, laughter, sex, yeah, definitely, anything else, talking, sleep, sleep is a big one, I wish I could sleep more, chaps and giggles, fantastic, those are some things in there that they're helpful coping strategies, so when, you're, when your container is filling up, open that tap on a regular basis, there's some unhelpful coping strategies, there's things like alcohol, or too much of it, mm -hmm. drugs, smoking. Those are some things. Hey, I'm going sorry, to put you sorry. out there. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. He's going to go out. Um, 
there are some there are some things that clog your tap. And it's just really mm. important to be aware of the helpful coping strategies and the unhelpful mm. ones. Mm. All right. So next thing I'm going to cover is what influences your mental health. There's positives and there's negatives. Okay. There's some risk factors. Now, statistically, the more risk factors you have, the smaller your container will be. Okay. So individual factors like alcohol, drugs, smoking, abuse, stress, all these things on here. And then you've got societal factors as well, like poverty, unemployment, poor housing, poor education. All these things make your container small. Okay? Now, there's some positive factors, which are protective factors. The more of this you have, the bigger your container will be. Things like positive parenting, self-belief, confidence, problem-solving skills, values and beliefs. You've also got things like having a tolerant community, meaningful activity, and all those things on there. Let me encourage you, try and have more of this, because the more of this you have, the bigger your container will be. And again, for me, it's being able to set up our children with these kind of factors, basically helping them to be able to just have bigger containers so that it doesn't fill up as quickly as the small one. However, it doesn't matter how small your container is. The key is that tap. Mm. Even if your container is this small, if you open that tap on a regular basis, guess what? It never needs to fill up. Mm. So really important to think about that. Next thing I'm going to cover is what we call the mental health continuum. We all have a line like this. We're either physically fit, mental health fit, or not fit. So that's the line there. Then there's the medical line, which is diagnosis on the left, not diagnosis on the right. Now, top right is anybody who's not got mental health fitness, and they're positive, they're fired up, they're great. Mm. The second one is somebody who has um, the, the, the no diagnosis, but they're not really too happy. An example I always use is, let's take an example of somebody who plays hockey. The first and the quadrant one, they play hockey, they're ready to play for England, everything is going great, they're fired up, and then they get an injury. And then that injury, it doesn't heal for six months. Mm. And so that person is now just unhappy. Okay? There's no diagnosis, but they're just not happy. And then they go to the doctor. The doctor says, dude, you're never playing basketball. You're never playing hockey again. So now he gets depressed because he loves hockey, but he can't ever play it again. So now he's got a diagnosis of depression. He's now moved to the left-hand side where he's got a diagnosis. But then he discovers badminton. Starts playing badminton, a different type of part of his leg, and he's now playing badminton for England. He still got the diagnosis, but now he's in a good place. Mm. We all move around all the time. Sometimes it might be in quadrant one. Sometimes it might be in quadrant two. We all are very, very fluid. And so it's really important to recognize where you are now does not define who you are. Mm. Okay? You can get better. I always say to people, you might be in quadrant two or three right now. Stigma stops people from moving to the top. So let's remove that stigma 
and help you to get to the top so that you can get better. Looking at this, you know, when you look at this, this is kind of psychiatric disorder by sex in England. You can see on the right-hand side, men, basically, we self-diagnose, which is why we don't get a lot of help. We don't talk. We've all been brought up to, you know, as a man, men can cry, or we can't show any emotions. As a scout leader, I've taken children camping, and I've heard moms saying to their seven, eight-year-old, oh, just man up, jump in the yeah. lake. Mm. You know, jump in the lake, the other children are jumping in. And like, leave him alone, he doesn't want to jump in. Mm. But we give them this, we give our men and our boys this thing about how they have to be tough. So we self-diagnose, either alcohol or drugs. And so when it comes, it really becomes a big issue. So it's just really being aware of these kind of things on here about just letting boys be boys and letting boys just be able to show emotions because mm. it's needed. Now, just going to talk on one or two mental health conditions that actually affect us in the UK. Depression, mm. persistent sadness or low mood with different symptoms. For you to get a diagnosis of depression, you need to have certain symptoms for at least two weeks before they give you a diagnosis. That's what you call a clinical depression, okay? Um, affects your ability to study. One of the leading causes of disability worldwide, four to 10% of people in England experience depression in their lifetime. This is not depression of, you know, I missed the bus or somebody caught me up on the road or I'm skinned. This is somebody. This is this is somebody who's just low down, just life completely, just not wanting to be here. Okay, there's different risk factors for depression: a family history, childhood experiences, separation or divorce, lack of close confiding relationships, um, childbirth, menopause, empty nest syndrome, and some medication also leads to um, leads to depression. So those are, that's just about depression. I'm not going to go too deeply into it. Um, then you've got an anxiety disorder. Now, we all get anxious. It could be a driving test. It could be an exam, whatever it may be, an interview. Um, we get anxious. But when it's an anxiety disorder, it's a completely different thing, okay? It really does affect somebody. It's just severe. Lasts longer, interferes with your work, your relationship, your social life. Usually unrecognized. If somebody will say, oh, it's just a bit weird, she's just a bit unusual. But they probably might have an anxiety disorder that's not been recognized. And there's different types of anxiety disorders. There's GAD, there's panic disorder, social phobia, agoraphobia, acute stress disorder, PTSD, and OCD. Mm -hmm. I can't go into all of this, but, you know, for example, OCD is somebody doing something repeatedly because they feel like if they don't do that thing, somebody close to them is going to die. Mm. So I've got to flip this slide 10 times because if I don't do it, my son, my daughter, my wife, they're going to pass away. Mm. That is that is rough. And it is one of the top 10 disabilities in the UK. Okay? Now, there's other things that we talk about on the course that I run. Um, we talk about an eating disorder. An eating disorder is not about size. It's not about weight. It's somebody dealing with such a, a, an emotional issue. 
they they want to control something. So it's actually a coping mechanism. Same thing with self-harming. Self-harm is a coping mechanism because there's something going on too stressful for them. They need to control something. And so they control what they do to their own body. Other things we cover on the course, psychosis, all right? So hallucinations, delusions, thought disorders. And we talk about schizophrenia, bipolar, and loads of other things. Um, we can't go into all of that right now, mm. or else we'll be here all night, okay? Yeah. But yeah. those are some things that we cover. We look at suicide as well. Um, just to say, you know, I need to just be of a warning here. If you've had somebody who's, uh, who's taking their own life, I'm sorry for what I'm having to share. It's not detailed, but I just need to give you an heads up, really, just to say, you know, we need to talk about it mm. because it's a, it's a big issue in the UK. Um, but if you look in 2016, nearly 6,000 people died by suicide, 1,700 by traffic. Mm. Nearly three times more people take their own lives in the UK. Why don't we talk about it more often? Mm. We see adverts on TV around don't drink and drive, but nobody talks about suicide, okay? Um, about 17 people a day now, 17, 18, take their own lives every day, every single day. And many more than that actually attempt suicide. So really important that we watch what we say. More men die by suicide, 73 to 1. Mm. 75% more men take their own lives. And it's just important to watch the language we use. Okay, now some people say things like commit suicide. We don't say commit suicide anymore. The reason for that is before the early 60s, suicide was a crime. If you try to take your own life and you did not, you didn't do it, you could go to jail. It was in the early 60s that you officially stopped being a crime. But we're still criminalizing people every day when we say he committed suicide. She committed suicide. So really, the language you should be using is he took his own life. She took her own life. She died by suicide or completed the suicide. Mm. So it's really important to just watch the language we use when it comes to this. Now, there's different early warning signs of mental ill health. There's psychological signs. There's physical signs. People think because it's physical, um, it shouldn't show a mental health issue, but it actually does. All right? There's, you know, behavioral signs around that you can see increased errors, um, arguments, conflicts with others, complaints about management. And now that we're online, really important that we are aware of things that might be happening. Mm. You know, um, the amount of people I speak to now on a daily basis who are just going through a rough time, having to work from home is just stressful. I've spoken to people who, who are scared of going back to work. And so anxiety disorder mm. has actually risen over the last six months because people are afraid of going to work. Okay? Mm. Um, so what can you do to help? I mentioned earlier about early intervention, you know, spotting the signs. Most of us don't know what to look out for, though. And that's really what we're all about. You know, with Mental Health First Aid, it's a tool, it's an educational course that teaches people how to identify, understand, and help a person who may be developing a health issue. 
It started in Australia so many years ago. It's been in the UK since 2007, and is now in 26, million, 26 different countries. The goal for UK is to train one in 50 by 2030 to have a mental health first aid certificate of, of the type. So we're really trying to get as many people trained as possible. Why mental health first aid? It's common. And we discriminate against them. We're not well informed. You know, we don't know that we've got issues ourselves. The amount of people that come on my course, and then I get an email two weeks later, Sam, I've been going through this for years. I didn't know there was a name for it. Because they didn't know they needed help. They just thought they were a bit awkward. All right? Professional help is not always on hand. A majority of us do not know how to respond. Like I said earlier, if somebody had a panic attack right now, what would you do? If somebody told you they wanted to take their own life, how would you help them? Mm. Okay? Those mm. are the kind of things that we cover on the course. Okay, now the course is this, it's four sections, and we cover everything I've spoken about and more. Um, over two days, it is a classroom course, so it's from nine to five, two days in a classroom. But because we're now online, we do four half days for the online course. I just finished one today, actually, and it's four days, nine to 12, um, nine to 12 for four days, two, two days this week two days next week. That's really how we do it. Um, you get a manual and a workbook to work through, and you get a certificate that is recognized across the country to say you're a mental health first aider, nationally recognized. Um, we know Those of you who might be first aid trained, there's something we call Dr. ABC. So those of you who might be first aiders, you might recognize Dr. ABC. It's when you come across somebody who's broken a leg, you look around for danger, mm, you, you check yeah. them for response, then airway breathing circulation. Mm. We've got the same thing with mental health first aid. It's called algae. And algae basically is when you see somebody who might be going through some issues you don't understand, you need to watch the approach. How do you approach the person? How do you assess? How do you assist them? Okay, and when we talk about crisis, crisis in this example is about suicide, and looking at trauma, okay? Then listen, communicate non-judgmentally. We all judge, doesn't matter. You judge whether you like it or not. What we tell you to do is set your judgments to one side and listen to that person. Give support and information because you, know, you don't give advice because what advice is good for me may not be good for Dion, may not be good for Joseph. Mm. So we give information, not advice. Encourage professional help and then encourage other supports. So that's the acronym as mental health first aiders that we think of when we do this stuff here. At the end of the course, recognize the symptoms of mental health, provide help, guide the person towards professional help, and really be mindful of your own. Okay, I say to people, when you get on the plane, they tell you, Put your mask on first before you put your child's mask on. Okay? You need to look after yourself first before you can look after other people. Mm. All right? Yeah. Um, what else is there? Um, people can recover. People can go from down here. They can move to the top. 
We just need to be able to help them. These are the factors that is important for recovery, time, good relationships, personal growth, being empowered to develop skills, just believing in somebody makes a massive difference. Um, you know, when you're talking to somebody, choose a setting, keep your body language open, non-confrontational, none of this stuff going on here, because that's not good. Mm. Chill, relax, listen to that person, and take into account cultural differences. You know, for some traditions, if you're an older person, they don't look you in the eye, so they look mm. down. It doesn't mm. mean that, it doesn't mean they've got an issue, that's just the way they are. So it's really important to take that into account. And some questions to ask. Ask open questions. How are you feeling? How long have you felt like this? Who do you... And you just ask them those kind of questions just to really tease out and let the person talk. Remember, it's not about you. Mm. Really important. It's not about you. It's about this person that you're trying to help. So put your opinions to one side. Nobody wants to know. Focus on that person and listen to them. Okay? Um, you know, nonverbal skills, verbal skills. How do you listen? Accept the person as they are. Get mm -hmm. on their wavelength. Listen to their words. Be genuine. And empathy. Very important to have empathy. Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, let me see. Five ways to well-being. This is like the five a day for fruits. But this is for your well-being. So encourage the person to keep physically active, eat well, reduce caffeine, care for others, do something creative, take a big break, have a Kit Kat, ask for help. But the five ways to well-being is give, keep learning, those things on the right-hand side, go and Google it. Just like they say five fruits a day, this is your five well-being actions per day. Mm. Let me ask you, how many of these things are you doing on a daily basis? Very important to try and get involved in this. So go and Google the five ways to well-being. You see it. Finally, um, look after yourself. Really important that you know ways to support yourself. You know, things like exercise, mindfulness. How many of you do mindfulness? I would encourage you, if you don't, go on YouTube tomorrow, not tonight, or tomorrow, one time this week. Type in... Um, mindfulness for beginners and just try a five minute mindfulness exercise mindfulness in my opinion is absolutely awesome and it works well it works for me i'll encourage you to give it a go talking is good especially for us men we don't talk enough um talk share find somebody you can confide in and sleep very important um these are some of the companies I've trained over the last four years. Um, we, are, we are international. Um, my wife and I, well, she's just joined me in January. I've been doing this myself for the last so many years. Um, but I've got a whole range of companies that I've worked with, um, from um, charities to schools um, to law firms to banks to councils. It's all, it's, there's loads of them. Um, because the subject is across the board. Mm. It's not just for one group of people. It's everybody. It's mm. everywhere. So really, when I go into anywhere, I can, I can basically adapt it to whatever they need me to, to adapt it to. Um, 
So that's it, really just a testimonial from one or two people that came on my course before. And sorry, I'm not sure how long I've been talking for. I could talk on the subject forever. So <laughs> you need to you need to kind of hold me back. No, um, but well, you've I'm done, done well. I'm done. I'm done. Thank no, you. No, you've done very, very well. And some of the aspects that you've covered in your presentation were some of my questions. So it's, it's, it's enabled me to now juggle my mind while okay. you were talking to try and refresh. So get yourself a glass of water because there's I some am. people that... Uh, <laughs> yeah. I had, just, I had to yeah. whisk through that. And we, um, yeah. So no, thank you very, very much for that presentation. It covered, it covered a, a vast amount of information and, and some information that I didn't even know. I certainly didn't know that... Um, we shouldn't be, or I shouldn't be, saying, oh, because I had a neighbour next door, an elderly gentleman, um, I thought he had depression, well, it was depression, um, I thought he had dementia, but as I'm going to say now, is what I said 10 years ago, he committed suicide. Mm. And I didn't realise that we shouldn't be using that committed anymore. Yeah. So I will now be telling my kids and family, <laughs> if that should happen, we now need to rephrase and, and, and change the way our habits are saying that. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you very much for that. And I'm sure some of the, the Champs and Giggles um, members and people that's on our platform now have taken a, a lot. I was going to say another word, but it's a yeah. phenomenal <laughs> amount of information that um, you've thank given. You. Thank you. It's just that the language we use is so important. You know, we yeah. say things like Dulali. Yes. You know, we say things like it's gone around the bench. Mm. You know, those words meant something else and we now use it for things like this. So it's just important to watch the language we yeah, use. Yeah, it's yeah. Probably, it's probably better for our generation, the older generation, to, to, to redefine ourselves and try and learn the new ways now. Because mm. some of us may still use those words, do yeah, early and things yeah. like that. So it is, we may need to learn from our children because <laughs> you know what don't say that you'd be surprised because when i speak in schools like i said mm. i speak everywhere yeah and it's interesting i do an exercise i get a whiteboard uh, a blank sheet of paper and i split the room into two mm. and i say write some positive words when when, when you hear the word mental health yes. what words come to mind positive on the left when I, what negative words come to mind and it's amazing how the positive words people might have three or four things to write. When it comes to the negative, there's no space left on the piece of paper. Mm. And this is across the board, primary, secondary, university, workplace. Wow. Wow. There's, there's so many negative words when it comes to mental health. Yeah. And some of them are just, I mean, window leaker was one that I heard recently. Um, and it's just thinking, where does that come from? Mm. So children are probably as bad as us adults really to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, so but yeah, we need to keep a keep an eye mindful, as you say. We need to be mindful of what we say because it will it can affect other people's feelings and their own yeah. mental um, thoughts as yeah. they go through these hard times. So, just a quick one before we end. I've got some questions, and people are saying, "Brilliant, well done." Excellent presentation. Thank you. Thank you've, you. you've, you've done great achievement in a short space of time. Um, that's from Plush. Shows you really care and it is really needed from all the companies that have asked you to come in and speak, including local authorities, schools, 
colleges and so on, it just shows you what immense um, proudness you have in yourself and what you're delivering because they wouldn't have asked you to go back and keep teaching and, and showing. So yeah. yeah, hats off to you on that one. Mike, I'm going to ask you just a quick one. Do you think COVID, before I go back into the um, questions, that, not questions, some of the questions that people have said, do you think COVID has possibly increased people's mental health? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so many. I mean, my, our phones are off the hook right now. Um, and again, you see, I speak to people who are just afraid of leaving the house. And it's mm. now becoming an anxiety disorder. Mm. So it has increased. Suicide has gone up. My wife was talking to somebody today who's just had enough because his shop, his shop, is a, he, he sells, he's got, he's got a restaurant around the university. The students are not here. Mm. He's just had a baby. He can't cope. And there's no money coming in. So he actually yeah. mentioned today, and you'd be surprised how many people say, I just want to take my own life. Oh dear, yeah. Seriously, it's it's ridiculous. She was telling she was dealing with that for about two hours this afternoon. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely massive. Okay. Um, well, for me, I'm gonna just go through some of the some of the questions that someone says, or and maybe it's um it's things that they they they're thanking you for doing and what it is. Um, right. The first question that I wrote down was from um, Joseph. Um, he's saying, do you think that um, the general public really don't understand what mental health really means? Do you think that they have a, a, a different perception of what mental health really is, the general public? Yeah, I believe that. Um, the knowledge is not there. You know, we, we don't talk about it in schools. You know, they, mm. they don't teach it in schools. They don't, just like they don't teach about money in schools. And so the knowledge we get about mental health is from the media. Mm. So if 10 people commit murder in one day, the one the papers will broadcast might be the one person there who might have a mental health issue. Yeah. And they blow it up out of yeah. proportion mm. and that is the perception that people have it's all from the media mm. okay. so it's not only a, a small percentage of people might they're a danger to themselves more than to others but we just don't understand the subject yeah yeah and then another question thank you for answering that hopefully that answered your question um joe um plus i know she was gonna she's gonna ask you a personal question late in a minute when i do it okay. but um, she did ask, I'm hoping I'm not stepping on her toe, she did ask, and I think you've mentioned that you did um, teach in schools or you have done a lot of secondaries and primary schools. And do you still yeah. do that? Is that still needed now in schools? Yeah, definitely, especially as they've been cooped up at home for, many, for, for a long time. Um, my specialty is adults. Um, there is youth mental health, and I know some schools have run it. But again, for me, they run those courses in schools when they've got spare money. Okay. Yeah. It's not a priority for a lot of them. Mm. Mm. So I've not been in a school for probably, well, since before COVID, to be honest. Um, but again, they run it as an afterthought. Yeah. yeah it's not the yeah. first thing on their minds. So um, I'm not sure we're going to change that. But mm. yeah. Okay. 
Okay. And I've just got some other, some, um, Kerry, there's Kerry that's on our platform, one of our members from, from the beginning, and she's heavily into mental health. She, she studied it. She's still active. Lived it. That's great. Lived it. That's yeah, great. Lived it, been that's through great. it, lived it as well. So, um, but she, she said that, um, have you had any, if I've got this right, have you had any live experience? No, have you had a lived experience? A lived experience in the mental health, either a family member or, or whatever, so. neighbour? Yeah, uh, I have had not personal experience myself, although there are times where you go through, there are times when you've had financial challenges in the past mm. and sometimes you think I've got the life insurance money. Oh yeah, I understand that. So we've I've been there personally where that's been the case of I've got life insurance, my trip, my family will be better. All right. Mm. Um but on a personal level, that's probably as worse as it's got. Um my experience is more about helping people around. Mm. So my neighbors, people having a panic attack, people just losing it and driving to you know, somebody called my wife at one o'clock one day. And we had to go there because she was having an episode and she didn't know, the husband didn't know what to do. Mm. And so there have been issues like that. Like I said, within Leeds community, in Leeds, I am kind of well known mm. for mental health and my other business. Um, those are the two things that people know me for. So okay. I do get called out quite regularly or just chat to people on the phone for ages. <laughs> Okay, okay, thank, paid by the good, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm just gonna ask Spice, uh, sorry, Plush, to come in with her question, and then I'm just gonna, I'll read one out after that, and then that would be our thanks to you. So, um, Plush, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Go thank ahead. You. Great interview, Sam. It's really enlightening hearing you today. Um, you. Just, just three things that I've noticed is. And I think Yoland put it in the comments as well. Oh, but, so I don't need to read that. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, what I find, especially within our community, if we go back to um, years gone by, 70s, 80s, 60s, 70s, 80s, especially in the UK, where black mental health was seen as a really bad thing. And if you had someone in your, your family... It's just something that you just wouldn't say. So the stigmatism yeah. around that. And I think that is part of the racist movement within the UK, especially where they were deemed to oppress people by giving them, subjecting them to medication, etc. When a lot of these things, it's not racism, but it was quite um, large within communities to suppress people due to their mental health because it was deemed yeah. a bad thing. So they had um, major um, places where they they put them. And I think that really drove mental health to another level back then when it could have been dealt with a lot better. So mental health, we need to come out of thinking it's a bad thing. Mental health is our normal daily living. We're all living it. And as you said, there is a tap and we need to tap into that. And another thing that you mentioned is with that tap, and the mechanism that you're saying that we need to deal with them, when you're actually going through that, the rationale 
is not there. Yeah, true. Have not got that rationale to deal yeah. with. And that's why we need to, at our peak, when things are going well, that's when we need to utilise these skills to keep us balanced. So when we do go to a crisis point, that's when we use that tap. We, we can utilise that tap. And I didn't realise, because I remember before getting pregnant, when I heard of uh, women going through postnatal depression, mm-hmm. I thought these people were crackers from way before. You know, even that term, crackers. It's yep. not until I had my first child and I realised all women, you're on the brink. It just takes a limited amount of sleep you to tip over the edge mm. where your rationale and your thinking just goes out of, out of balance so that so that was that that's my um thinking so thank you for sparking all those mm. can so, i just just before you go to the next one just so i don't forget because it's in my head the mm. first thing you mentioned about mental health about how we all we we, we all have mental health each and yeah. every one of us it's mm-hmm. just sometimes it's there Sometimes it's there, sometimes it's there, and it's just like this all the time. So really, all the time, we Mm -hmm. all have it. And then the other thing about your container and all of not not being able to go back to emptying it, what I say to people on my course is, what symptoms do you show when your container is filling up? Mm -hmm. Okay, so for me, I just stopped talking. Yeah. Or, or yeah. I, I just, I just, I just, I just binge on a box set. Yeah. And my wife, my wife knows now. Mm. So when your container is filling up slowly, what symptoms do you show? And then more importantly, do you have somebody around you that recognizes that? And then the person can say, "Flush, what's up? Do you want to go for mm. a walk? Yeah. You want to go for a swim?" You know, the last comment, the last slide, it says, write down your support list. That's right, yeah. And your support Mm. list will be something you write down to say, this helps me when I'm not feeling great. Mm. And you give that to somebody else. And when they recognize you're not feeling great, they look at the list, the most appropriate thing right there, they can Mm. do that with you. Mm -hmm. Because you're not going to remember that you need to empty your container. Yeah. So you need people around you to recognize those symptoms. Yeah. So sorry, I needed to say that because I was going to forget. What was the next thing you were going to No, no, no. That's really important. That recognition Mm. and being able to have, but not everyone is lucky to have those networks around. And what I found um, since January, I, I work for a council and I've been seconded to the COVID hub for that council. So calling our vulnerable residents to see how they are and offer support. And I feel, I personally feel, and I'm not sure I'd like to gauge with you, um, Keith raised it with you. I feel COVID itself, it may have gone into the millions now, how many people have died from COVID globally. But I think the mental health aspect of COVID far surpasses that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And these, you know, so what you're doing at the moment, I think you're going to, I think if organisations can tap into this part much better over the course of time, that will really help people, Mm. uh, employ uh, staff, 
and and people within our community because it's just some when I'm talking to some of the residents Sam it's it's heartbreaking yeah. people before covid they were there they 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 were living their life and now when I'm talking you know I spoke to a man who was a couple of years younger than me and he was ready to depart this life and he's got five children and he's got his mum and there was nothing that I could say that could help you know I, I got I went through the suicide training I knew that there was this target was I couldn't say there was there's more listening than being and no matter what I said he just wasn't in that place to receive mm. help and it was yeah. really difficult for me but by the end of the conversation he didn't want to reach out to any organization I asked him can I call you back and he he said yeah that's fine yeah. Didn't want anything else that I said but he said for me to call him back and I called him back and he was in a different place mm. and I'm just yeah. so happy that he was in a different place because I was able to help at that moment and yeah. it, it um so covid for me it's had a lot of benefits but yeah. for the residents who have been cooped up at home it's quite tragic and i know we're yeah. all suffering personally yeah. i mean before covid it was one in four one in four of us will have a mental health issue in a given year mm-hmm. i think it's probably gone down to one in two maybe one 2.5 in my yeah. opinion um mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's so many other people, so many people, millions. So yeah, many you're right. It's, it's, I've spoken to people who were strong and they're now weakened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Completely yeah. weakened. And when you're talking to them, it's that simple thing, Sam, they won't even leave their home. Yeah. They're so scared to leave their home. And, you know, for me to convince them, and some of them, some of them did and I'm just really grateful that they just took that step and they said you know when I just say it to myself it seems normal now I'm talking to you and we're working through it they said it just seems so stupid and I said exactly you know you've got yeah. to do so um, I mean, my, my sister-in-law mm-hmm. she was crying she couldn't go into Tesco's yeah mm-hmm. she was actually crying outside she got to the door and she yeah. stood there she was crying and she had to go and sit in the car for my brother-in-law to go in and do the shopping. Yeah. She still can't go in. There's, there's just too many, Sam. So, yeah. Mm. Too many. Yeah. You know, and this is my small borough and a small segment of people that I have been talking to. And it's really, and it's really tragic out there. Mm. So, so I know that things are just changing and it's just really good to know that this unit that you're working in is gaining in momentum. And I'm hoping that the government will see that it's an initiative that we need. Yeah. Now, I don't care what Cummings is saying at the moment about vaccinations, etc. I think they need to look at the bigger picture of the result of COVID. Not yeah. that the vaccination, not, not that people are dying, the mental health part. So thank you, Sam, and good luck. No, well thank done. You. Thank, you. thank you very much, Plus, for that. Um, we're coming to the end of our interview. All I can say, oh, before I, I must mention, Louise as well has just signed up to to do mental um, a mental awareness course as well. And as I mentioned, Kerry is also trained in that as well, the mental health first aider. Um, so I had a question, Keith. Oh, go- who um, access you? How does somebody access 
a mental health first aider if they need one? Good question. Um, so one of the, my business, we train people to become mental health first aiders. Now, you'll have to pay to come on the course to become a first aider, just like any other company. A lot of right now, a lot of companies train their staff and then they use the skills outside of workplace most of the time. Most people actually use it outside of work and they do in work. Um, so the, the, the answer really is I run courses online that people can sign up to and they can come and attend the course to become a trade, to become a first aider themselves. Okay, so if they have mental health, you're, you're suggesting they should have, like, you know, need help. They should become a, um, a first aider. Supposing they, they're not, they don't have the capacity. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. So that's what I'm asking. I'm asking, how can somebody that needs help, how can they access a first, mental health first aider? Oh. It's it's not it's not something that is public yet, mm. which is why in the civil services in there and companies will train. So if you broke a leg now, for for example, where is the first data? How do you access the first data? Yeah. Yeah. Is the same thing with the mental health first aid. You don't really access a mental health first aid. Okay. If you have one around you, then they can help you. Understood. I think Sam, you're so I, sorry. I think you're. I think um, what you're saying is, what you do is you train people to become a facilitator. That's what you're doing. So what Dee's asking is. Where can she apply to become mm -hmm. that facilitator? And that's what you're saying. You give that training so they become yes. a facilitator, first aider. Yeah. Okay. That's what you're doing, right? Yes, I train people to become first aiders. That's yes. it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So before we keep going on, can I just ask a quick question then? So, Sam, is there a way that you can put some details in our chat before you leave? that if anyone wants to contact you for any contacts, maybe in London or wherever, that they can be trained either by you and then you can forward on more contacts later on once they've passed the examination. So is that yeah. a possibility? And also, if anyone wanted to speak to you on a one-to-one -one basis about um, someone that they may know, or where, can they call you for guidance or anything like that? Yes, I mean, one of the things I do is I talk to people a lot about Brilliant. mental health. So I'm, I'm happy to have a chat. Thank Absolutely. you. Okay. Um, well, that would be brilliant. So if you can do that for us, and I'm sure I'm absolutely on behalf of Champs and Giggles, you have been an absolute treasure. You, you, your presentation has been excellent. You came across very, very eloquently, Fantastic. and you explained this situation perfectly for us to understand. And yeah, I am absolutely in awe of what you do. <laughs> and you. just continue, you and your wife and your family, just continue what you're doing. And hopefully we'll see many, many more mental health first aiders, Sam yeah, Lee's first aiders company globally, <laughs> internationally. And we'll, we'll come and support if we have to. Yeah, we'll, all, we'll, all, we'll, all, yeah, we'll all help you on that, all right? So yeah. can I just, yeah, thank you once more. Thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah, so Joe, 
Um, you can take Absolutely over. Well done. Uh, big guys, you can uh, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. We oh, can okay. just allow you to unmute yourselves. Yes, you can unmute yourselves. So we can give a rap raising round of applause for Samuel Lee. Thanks, Sam. 